0: Romans part 28, we're looking at chapter 9, verse 6 through 16. Um, So we covered last week in the first five verses, uh, Paul changes the context of what he's talking about. As you see in verse 3 and 4, he's talking about his kinsmen in the flesh, his brethren who are Israelites. So he's talking about the nation of Israel. Um, He's explaining what happened to the nation of Israel. right Today, both Jew and Gentile are saved by grace through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before that came, right, you had the nation of Israel who was under the law, under covenants, and God made promises to them that they would have a kingdom on earth. Um, so what happened to them, what's happening today, right? Was God's promises false? Uh, did he lie to the nation of Israel? So that's what Paul's explaining in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. Uh, so that's the context of these chapters. But starting in verse 6, he says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise, are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived, by one, even by her father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elders shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Um, And so these verses are also used by. Uh, people who teach Calvinism, right, that God predestined some to salvation uh, before the foundation of the world. And I don't believe that's what it's teaching here, so we'll cover that as well. Uh, But verse 6, he says, not as though the word of God have taken an effect. Um, So uh, again, is the question he's answering, right, in verse 4 and 5, he gives a list of things that were given to the Israelites. Uh, You had uh, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, right? Christ came to his own, the Israelites, in the flesh. Uh, so he says, not as though the word of God had taken that effect, right? They're set aside. So these promises were made to Israel, but they're not happening today. But he says the word of God had not taken that effect, right? Israel failed, not God. God isn't the one that failed. Uh, Romans 3, 3-4, it says, For what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, mightest overcome with art judge. Um, so Paul kind of deals with this in Romans two and three, where he says the Jews were given the law, they were given the oracles of God, um, but what if some of the Jews didn't believe? right Does that make the faith of God in Israel giving them his word of none effect? and of course he answers, God forbid, right by no means. Um, let God be true and every man a liar. It is the man that failed, not God. Uh, his promises will be true. Numbers 23, 19. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? All right. So God is not a man that he should lie. Um, has he not said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Right? God will not lie. Whatever he speaks says he he can do, he will do. Um, going back for Romans 9, uh, he says, uh, The word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So this is the key to understanding what will happen to Israel. Um, just because you are born a Jew in the flesh, an Israelite in the flesh, doesn't mean you are the Israel, the true Israel, that gets the promises. Uh, we see this throughout Israel's history. That's what he means when he says, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Right? Just because you were born a Jew in the flesh doesn't mean you get the promises. You have to have faith in the promises. You have to have faith in Christ as a Jew. Uh, you have to keep the covenant. right? Um, and we see this play throughout Israel's history. Um, but you still have to be born an Israelite to get the promises to Israel. right? You just have to have a believing Israelite. Right, you have to be not just born in the flesh a Jew, but born again in the Spirit, Right, trusting in Christ and what he has said. Uh, this is not new with Paul. Okay, This is not a new teaching. If you look at Malachi 4. Verse 1 through 2 talks about the judgment to come. It says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. So again, there's that day of judgment. And he says those that fear my name, right, those will get the kingdom. Um, So you can be a Jew that doesn't fear the name of God. You're going to be judged, right? So it doesn't matter that you were born an Israelite; you have to be a believing Israelite. Is what Paul is saying. Um, so there's a judgment to come, and in Matthew three, verse five through eleven, John the Baptist says, "Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins." And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them. A generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. So, these Pharisees and Sadducees, these are Israelites, right? These are Jews, and they come to John the Baptist, and he calls them vipers. He says, You've been warned of the wrath to come. Because these Pharisees and Sadducees are unbelieving Jews, right? Just because they're Israel doesn't mean they get the promises. He says, Bring forth therefore roots, uh, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So again, that's what they boasted, right? We're Jews. Abraham is our father. And he says, don't say that in yourselves because God can raise up children from these stones if he wanted to, children to Abraham. And so again, uh, John saying the same thing, right? Just because you're a Jew, just because Abraham is your father in the flesh, uh, doesn't mean you won't be judged if you don't believe uh, the message that God has given. Uh, Matthew 21 42 through 43, you see this teaching all throughout Jesus' ministry. It says, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So he says, The kingdom is going to be taken from you, and given to a nation that brings forth the fruits thereof. So he's still talking about the nation will be given to Israel, but to the nation Israel that brings forth the fruits thereof, not the unbelieving uh, nation. Um, he's not talking about all the Gentiles, right? The promises were given specifically to Israel. He's not talking about the rest of the nations, or else he would have said uh, the kingdom is taken from you and given to the nations that bring forth good fruit. But notice it's singular. It would be given to a nation, Bringing forth the fruits thereof. And of course, that's that remnant, that believing Israel is who he's talking about. That's who the kingdom goes to. If you look at Luke 12, 32, Jesus speaking to his followers, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So again, those who followed Jesus, those who believed he was the Messiah, and believed his teachings, those were the ones that were going to get the kingdom. Um, Just because they were Israel doesn't mean anything. You have to be believing Israel. Um, And then Romans 2, 28 through 29, like I said, Paul covers this earlier in the book of Romans. He says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So again, it's what's on the inside of the Jew that matters, not on the outside. So he's not just a Jew that's one outwardly. You have to be one inwardly as well to get the promises. So again, this is not new with Paul. Uh, Jesus taught it throughout his ministry. You have to be a believing Jew, a believing Israelite to get the kingdom. Uh, So that's what Paul means when he says they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Uh, He says, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. So again, same point, just because you're heir of Abraham, of the seed of Abraham, a Jew, right, doesn't mean you're children of the promise. Right? Um, Paul is not broadening the promise to a larger group of people here. You still have to be born a Jew. He's rather narrowing the group uh, to a remnant, right? which when you study the Old Testament and Israel's history, he says there will be a remnant that gets the kingdom. There will be a part of Israel that believes, and that part is called the remnant who gets the kingdom. Um, and of course this happens, I believe, in the rapture after the church is raptured out, right? Then God will fulfill those promises to Israel. Um, but not to all of Israel, right? Only believing Israel, the remnant. Um, so just because you're born in the seed of Abraham doesn't mean anything. You have to be, again, a believing Jew. And he says, but in Isaac uh, shall thy seed be called. Um, how many sons did Abraham have? Does anybody know? How many sons did Abraham have? Go to Genesis 25. He had more than that, actually. You only really hear about two because Ishmael has a little bit of a role in the story that we read about. But if you go to Genesis 25, 1 and 2, after Sarah dies, it says, Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran, and Jachin, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. So this wife bore him six more sons. Um, So he had eight total. because these six, plus Isaac, plus Ishmael. Um, So the point here is being, the promise was only given to one seed. That was Isaac. So again, you look at Israel's history, who got the promise? All the children of Abraham. No, only one got the promise. And that was Isaac. So the same point being only the believing Jews get the promises, not all the Jews. Um, so again, you see it played throughout Israel's history. Uh, this means it can't be Islam, which comes from Ishmael, right? They didn't get the promises, that nation. It also means it can't be us because we didn't come from Abraham at all, right? The promise was given to Abraham and to his seed, Isaac. Um, when you read it, notice... The promise is given. It says, "In thy seed, not in all thy seed, but in thy seed, singular." Uh, so it's only given to one seed that was Isaac. In thy seed, Isaac uh, is the promise given. Um, verse eight through ten, he says, "That is, they which are the children of the flesh; these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed." So he's just reiterate, reiterating what he said. Right? Only the children of the promise, right, uh, are counted for the seed. And Isaac was that child of promise. Uh, Ishmael was born after the flesh. And again, you read the story. God promised him a seed. And so Sarah and Abraham come up with this plan to right, make the seed happen by giving Hagar his wife. Because Sarah was old. She was barren. So she said, well, you have to marry this other person to, in order to have a kid. And God said, no, I promised that it would be through both of you. Right. So they tried to do it on their own, not trusting in God at that point. And God says, no, it's got to be from the promise. So, again, Abraham tried to do it in his flesh with his own plan, and God said, no, that's not what I said. It's going to be through you and Sarah. Um, But it's interesting when you read Genesis 16, God makes a promise that he would be a mighty nation. So he leaves his land to go to Canaan, and he's there for 10 years before him and Sarah come up with this plan. So, again, it takes faith. He had trusted for 10 years that he would have a seed, and it never happened. So you can see where there might be some doubt coming in after 10 years of it not happening, right? Um. So again, when you read through the Bible, one chapter to another, it seems like, oh yeah, this is going right in line, but years happen between those chapters sometimes um, because God has only given us what we need to know. Uh, but he said he dwelt in the land of Canaan 10 years before he had Ishmael. Uh, it says, for this word of promise... Um is God promised that Abraham would have a seed and that God would give it to him through Sarah, his wife. So again, he tried to do it on his own. Uh, They came up with a plan, and it wasn't God's plan. In Genesis 17, the promise was through Sarah that they would have a seed. Genesis 17, verse 15 through 16. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So again, he says it's going to be through Sarah. The promise is you have a seed through Sarah. Uh, verse 19, it says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed forever. So again, singular, with his seed, Isaac's seed. So you see the promise is only to one son, and to that son's son. So again, that's the point. Just because you're a Jew, just because you're born an Israelite, doesn't mean you get these promises. Uh, It's given to the children of promise, and those are those who believe uh, and obey the covenant. Those who are the ones that get the kingdom. He says, For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. So that's what we just read, Genesis 17. That's what Paul's quoting. He says, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. So not just Abraham and Sarah, but now we're going to look at uh, Isaac and Rebekah and see kind of the same pattern. Genesis um, Genesis 25, 21. So Sarah was barren, and God had to do a miracle in order for them to have Isaac. The same happens for Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. Genesis 25, 21. It says, Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. So again, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, also could not have children. and So Isaac entreats God for her. And then she's able to have uh, children. And so the reason this is is to show that God created this nation, the nation of Israel, to show that he is all-powerful and that he was going to do it, right, to fulfill his purpose, not man's purpose, his purpose. Um, You might even wonder, why would these men marry women who can't have children? Well, God had that planned out so that he could uh, show that he is God and that he would fulfill his purpose through them. So that nobody could say, right, we did this. No, God did it. Right? God created this nation of Israel. Um, so there should be no question that God started the nation of Israel according to His purpose. Uh, he says, "She conceived by one, even by our father Isaac." So again, we are Gentiles. We cannot claim Isaac as our father. The reason He says our father is because again, you look at the context. He's speaking about Israel, right? We saw that again last week, verse three through four. He's talking about Israel in this chapter. And Paul was a Jew. We covered that last week as well. So he was an Israelite. So that's why he says, uh, Isaac, our father. So again, you have to look at the context to understand why he says that. Uh, we cannot claim ourselves as an Israelite or a spiritual Israel. Okay, that would be wrong. They were given to Israel specifically. And God will see that promise fulfilled in a later time. Uh, Verse 11 through 13, it says, For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So this is where the Calvinists say, right, God elects whom he will to salvation, and whom he does elect salvation are elected to hell. Because of this word, election, in this verse. It says, Before they were born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So what does this verse say? First of all, Calvinists teach that God predestined who would be saved before the foundations of the world, right before he even created the world. He set it in stone, right? These are the people that's going to be saved throughout all the world. It's not what this verse says. It says before they were yet born. But not say before the foundation of the world, just before they were yet born. Um they were already conceived. If you go to Genesis twenty five, twenty one through twenty four. It doesn't say God chose Jacob before the foundation of the world. Genesis 25, 29 through 24, it says, Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. and The Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So she's already conceived, right? She's already pregnant with the two twins. And so she goes to ask the Lord about it. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two men or people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. So it's when she goes to inquire of the Lord after she's already conceived that God tells her, right? The elder will serve the younger, for I've chosen one over the other. Um, So again, it's not before the foundation of the world. You have to read that into this verse to come to that conclusion. It says, Neither having done either good or evil. So why is this important? Um, Why did God choose before they were born, before they had done any good or evil? And Paul explains, uh, The reason for that is that the purpose of God according to election might stand. So God chose Jacob to see his purpose done. It's not talking about God choosing Jacob to salvation and Esau to hell. Right, you have to read that into here. It's not what it's saying. It's saying God chose Jacob for his purpose to give the promise to Jacob, right? And that's God's um prerogative to do. That's his choice. It doesn't mean that Esau couldn't bless Jacob and receive a blessing, as the scripture teach, if you bless Israel, you receive a blessing, right? Um Esau could have done that. So it's not saying Esau was condemned, just saying I'm choosing to fulfil my purpose through Jacob, just like I did through Isaac just like I did through Abraham, right? Um, So God chooses throughout the Bible people to fulfill his purpose. Think about the Apostle Paul. He chose the Apostle Paul for his purpose. Um, It's not talking about salvation or condemnation in the context. Um, So God chose uh, that his purpose might stand. That's why he chose, so that his purpose would be fulfilled. Um, Not of works, but of him that calleth. It's not of works because all are sinners, and God would see his will done, not of their works. So if God chose based on their works, well, one's a sinner and the other's a sinner. So how do you choose based on their works? Neither one of them's right, perfect, righteous. So he's not choosing based on their works. He's simply choosing to see his will done, to make sure his purpose is uh, accomplished. Uh, but of him that calleth. Again, this is another thing that Calvinists go to. The calling of God means you will be saved, right? And his grace will be irresistible. You will accept it. And only the elect are called, is what they say. Um, You're called by words, right? When I call you to come here, you hear my words and you hear my calling. Same is true for God. He calls you through his words. I know we covered a couple weeks ago. Paul tells Thessalonians, you were called by my gospel, right? The gospel is how you were called to salvation. It's up to you whether or not you believe it. Um, but we can see in Scripture, Genesis 26, 1-5, that he tells Isaac, I'm going to fulfill the promise through you just like I did your father Abraham. He tells Jacob, I'm going to fulfill the promise through you just like I did your fathers Isaac and Abraham. So you see that calling in the word. God comes to them and calls them. Genesis twenty six, one through five it says There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So again, he comes to Isaac. He says, in thee shall all nations of the, uh, of the earth be blessed. And I'm going to fulfill the oath that I swore to Abraham through you as well. Right? Because you are that chosen seed. Genesis 28. 12-15, this is Jacob, it says he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the lamb whereon thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So again, he makes that promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So that's the calling, right? He's giving them his word. Um, It's not uh, invisible coercion predestined before the world began that he's going to call you. Okay, that's not what calling is. It's called through God's words. Um, Verse 12, it says, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. So we read that in Genesis 25. This is where people get uh, mixed up. So they make election here in this verse, speaking of individuals. But when you go back and read the verse, he's talking about the nations that come from Jacob and Esau, not just the individuals. Um, Because when you study the Bible throughout Jacob and Esau's life, nowhere do you see Esau serving jacob okay he does not become his servant Um, if you look at 25 verse 23 in genesis so she inquires of the lord while the children are struggling together within her and the lord said unto her two nations are in thy womb so again two nations are going to come from these children Uh, so he's speaking about the nations and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So it's nations, people, right? He's talking about the nations that come from the children, not the individual sons, okay? So you've got to look at what Paul's quoting. Go back and read it to see the context of the verse that he's quoting. So he's quoting, uh, again, from Genesis twenty-five twenty-three. 23 okay, So he's talking about the nations that would come from Jacob and Esau, which is the nation of Israel and the nation of Edom, and we'll look at that a little bit more. Verse 13, he says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So again, this is where they say, right, God chooses who he's going to love and give salvation. He chooses who he's going to hate and send to hell before the foundations of the world. Again, nowhere do we see before the foundations of the world here? And we don't see it talking about salvation. Uh, Paul is, when you see as it is written, he's quoting a prophecy, something in the Old Testament. So where is that written? Well, it's written in Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. It was written way after Jacob and Esau had died. So again, it couldn't be talking about before they were born, when it's written way after they had died, right? Again, it's talking about the nations when you read this verse. In Malachi 1, verse 2 through 3, it says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Uh, So that's the verse he's quoting. I have loved uh, Jacob and hated Esau. But again, the context, laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. When you study throughout the Old Testament, you see God gave Esau a land and a mountain that they built the country of Edom, or the nation of Edom around. And he destroys that nation because of how they treated the nation of Israel. And we'll look at a few verses here. If you go to Obadiah 10, it explains why God hates Esau or the nation of Edom. It's because of their unrighteousness and disobedience to his word and how they treated, again, the nation of Jacob, who was the promised seed. Had they blessed Jacob, had they blessed Israel, they wouldn't have been hated, right? They wouldn't have been uh, judged. Obadiah, verse 10, it says, uh, actually, go to verse 8. It says, Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom, and understanding out of the Mount of Esau? So you see that Mount of Esau, which is in this nation of Edom. And thy mighty men, O Timon shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. So why are they going to be cut off? Why are they going to be judged? It says, Because of thy violence against thy brother Jacob. Let's talk about Edom's violence against the nation of Israel. Um, Ezekiel 25, verse 12 through 14. It says, Thus saith the Lord God, because that Edom have dealt against the house of Judah by taking vengeance, and have greatly offended and revenged himself upon them, therefore thus saith the Lord God, I will also stretch out mine hand upon Edom, and will cut off man and beast from it. And I will make it desolate from Teman, and they of Dedan shall fell, fall by the sword. And I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel, and they shall do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, saith the Lord God. So Edom took vengeance against God's people, and so God takes vengeance against Edom. Uh, Second Chronicles 28, and verse 17. So again, it's all throughout Israel's history. Edom comes against them. They get in their way when they're trying to get to the promised land. They come out and fight them. In Second Chronicles 28, verse 17. It says, For again the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. So notice that word, again. This isn't the first time. For again, the Edomites have come and smitten Judah and taken captives. So again, they're coming out to fight Israel and take captives. Uh, Numbers 20, verse 14 through 21. It says and Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom. Thus saith thy brother Israel. So you see how it talks here. It's talking about the nations. He sends messengers to the king of Edom, and he says, "Thy brother Israel," it's because of their forefathers, right? Jacob and Esau, that they were brother nations, if you will. He says, "Thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us. How our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians vexed us, and our fathers." And we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice, and sent an angel, and have brought us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards, neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway, and will not turn to the right hand or to the left until we have passed thy borders. And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with the sword." And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border, wherefore Israel turned away from him. So again, they're coming out of Egypt, through the land of Kadesh. They just want to pass through the land of Edom. They said, We're going to go through the king's highway. We're not going to let our cattle feed in your pastures. We're not going to drink at the water. If they do drink at the water, we'll pay for it. But we just want to come through. That's all we want to do. He says no. And they come out against them with a sword and say, we're not going to let you pass. So again, when you study throughout the history, you see that the nation of Edom, which came from Esau, uh, fought against the nation of Israel, right? Went against them. Uh, The nation of Israel came from Jacob. Um, So Malachi, the last chapter In the Old Testament says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. It's talking about the nations, not the individual men uh, back in Genesis. Again, they had died way before Malachi, verse 1. So again, you have to go back and read the context of what he's saying. When you see that word as it is written, he's quoting a prophecy. You can go back and study those things in the Old Testament to see uh, what he's talking about. Um, To continue on, verse 14, it says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Uh, so what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? He did choose Jacob who deceived his father Isaac. So why would God choose a sinner? Right? You know the story where uh, Isaac's going to bless his son Esau, and Rebecca tells Jacob, right, go put on the sheep's clothing. I'll make you a coat, and we'll make the sheep like venison for your father to deceive him to think you're Esau so that you get the blessing. Um, That's in Genesis uh, 27, verse 5 through 30, if you want to go back and read it. Uh, But he deceives his father. So is God unrighteous to choose Jacob, who's the deceiver? And of course, the answer is God forbid, right, by no means. Uh, You remember God's choice was not based on their works, right? He chose based on his purpose being done. He didn't choose them based on their works, because either way, he would have been choosing a sinner. Esau was a sinner too, right? Um, So there's not unrighteousness with God. He's choosing to see his purpose done. He's not choosing based on the individual's works, right? Um, So God forbid, there is not unrighteousness with God. Verse 15, it says, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's God's choice on who he has mercy on. It's God's choice on the terms of which he offers his mercy. You think about us today, we didn't choose To make God come down, send his son to die for us so we could be saved. That wasn't a choice we made. That was God's choice. And he's choosing today to offer salvation to all based on the finished work of Christ. Right, And so that's God's choice to show mercy to whom he will show mercy. He's not obligated to show anybody mercy. But he is a merciful God. Right. So if he chooses to judge, he's right in doing so because he is a righteous God as well. And he's given us his word saying this is the standard. Right? And if you go against that, I'm going to judge you. But he's a merciful God, and so there's time where he chooses to give mercy. And again, I think it's to show, uh, make sure his uh, purpose is accomplished. Uh, again, with Israel, you see this happen a lot, where he wants to wipe them out for their disobedience, for going against him all the time. And Moses uh, entreats God for them. right? Don't wipe them out, otherwise the nation of Egypt will say, you just let them out of Egypt to destroy them in the wilderness. Um, Exodus thirty-three nineteen. Again, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting Exodus thirty-three nineteen. It says, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So that's the verse that he's quoting in verse 15. Now, if you look at Exodus 20, 5 through 6, it says, Thou shalt not buy, bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation to them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So again, God will show mercy to whom He will show mercy, and in this verse, who does He show mercy to? to those that love Him and keep His commandments, right? He shows. Uh, Says he visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the generations of them that hate him. So he judges those that hate him, gives mercy to those who obey his covenant and his law. So again, that's God's choice on who he shows mercy and the terms whereby he uh, gives mercy. Um, Genesis, uh, uh, Exodus 32, verse 9, 14. I think this is where he going to kill the nation of Israel, and Moses uh, mediates for them. It says, The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I will consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. So he's telling Moses, I'm going to consume this nation, and I'll make of you a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? Uh, with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So again, God's ready to consume this people, uh, Israel, for their disobedience. And Moses says, remember your covenant with the fathers, right, that you would um, bless their seed. So God says, okay, I'm going to change my mind about consuming them at this time, right? So you see, he shows mercy there on whom he chose to show mercy to is the point. So again, that's God's choice to show mercy to whom he will show mercy. And again, showing mercy is not salvation. Mercy simply means you did not get judgment that you deserved. Um, Again, those people back in Israel in the Old Testament, just because they weren't judged at that point, just because he showed them mercy, doesn't mean all of them would be saved. Because they could say, okay, great, God showed me mercy. I'm still not going to obey him. Right? So showing mercy is not salvation. Okay, it's simply not giving them the judgment they deserved at that time. Okay, but again, it's God's choice to show mercy to whom he will show mercy. If you go to Genesis 36, verse 1, I didn't read this earlier, but it says, now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. So that's how you know the nation of Edom, or the Edomites, come from Esau. It says in Genesis 36, 1, the generation of Esau, who is Edom. Um, also, we see that God's will would be done, not man's. That's the reason for God's election of Isaac. His election of Jacob is to see his will done, not man's will. It's interesting when you read Genesis 17, verse 18. Abraham wanted Ishmael to be the promised seed. Um, Isaac wanted to bless Esau and give him the blessing. But again, that wasn't God's purpose. In Genesis 17, 18, Abraham cries out to God, and he says unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So this is when God is saying, It's through Sarah that you're going to have the seed. Abraham says, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Like, Give it to Ishmael. Let him be the seed. And God says, No, that's not my purpose. Right. Genesis 27, 1-4 through is where, It says, It came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, my son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. He said, Behold, now I am old. I know that the day of my death now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow and go out to the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So again, Isaac wants to bless uh, Esau, not Jacob. Again, that wasn't God's purpose. Uh, So it's interesting. You see God's purpose get done in the Old Testament, even though it wasn't Man's purpose, right? Abraham wanted it to be through Ishmael. Uh, Isaac wanted it to be through Esau, but that wasn't God's purpose. And you see that it comes through Isaac, and it comes through Jacob. So God's will was accomplished. Um, going back to verse uh, 16 of Romans, it says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Uh, so when it says, so then it, what is the it that it's talking about? Again, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about God's purpose. God's purpose is not to him that willeth or runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Okay, so it's of God and his purpose uh, that it gets done, not man's will or man running. Uh, we do not decide, again, God's purpose or whether or not we receive mercy. God has his own will and shows mercy on his own terms. So again, that's God's uh, God's purpose, his plan. He can do what he wants. In the context of these verses, Paul is showing that not all of Israel in the flesh will receive the promises, okay, given the things given in verse 4 through 5. God has promised them to true Israel, the remnant, the believing Israel, right? And again, Israel's history bears this out, which is Paul's point of this passage. He's simply showing not all Israel is Israel. Not all children of Abraham get the promise. And that's why he's going through these things that happened back in Genesis with the fathers, to show Abraham had eight sons, the promise only went to one. Um, Isaac had two sons, the promise only went to one. So just because you're Israel doesn't mean you get the kingdom, you have to be the remnant, the believing Israel, right? So that's the point of what he's teaching here. Um, nowhere in the context do we see election as referring to individuals to salvation or damnation, which is what Calvinists teach. Um, So yeah, any thoughts or questions on this passage?